When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 471 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Levon, a.k.a. Barcelona. And today, Levon, we say goodbye to two legends, Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba, and technically a goodbye. And we're going to have a big conversation about the Spotify Camp No, or the Camp No, of course. But would you like to start with the clickbaity question here about Jordi Alba? Or do you want to start just waxing poetic about Busquets? Or hey, we could even get into Ansu Fati, who had two goals against Mallorca. So I'll ask you this time around, where do you want to start our show? Well, we could take it wherever we want, but hey, everybody. I, I was so surprised that Alba called it quits. Like, I, I don't think anybody really saw it coming because he's due so much money. So for him to... And, and also because one week before he, he announced it, the, the story was very much that he did not want to go anywhere. So for him to say, hey, you know, that's that's it. I, I'm I'm leaving uh, this summer, and uh, with the added perspective of him being an amazing teammate throughout the most of uh, throughout most of the season and being super supportive of uh, Alejandro Balde in particular, I'm I'm very happy that he and both Busquets, who I think both of them would have been good would have played well for us next season. Uh, but for both of them to choose to leave now with a title and with a lot of love from from the camp now, yeah, I, I very much respect that decision. And I think it's kind of nice the way, the way this gets wrapped up. 100%. I, I think I cannot <laughs> emphasize enough about Alba's decision to leave when he did. And we can do the Busquets thing and the pivot thing. We did it earlier in the week. But in the case of Alba, I 100% agree that he could not have left at a better time for him and the club together in union based on the stains across his legacy. Like Alba, because of the way I think that Kool-Aid had started to view him in, in not this season, but the prior two seasons or three seasons, that it seemed like he would very well overstay his welcome for all intents and purposes. But you're right. I mean, to leave... What is 20 point, well, next season was going to go up. So what is about 23 million euros on the table to leave that number on the table again, making, which I guess my question for you too, is that Barcelona must have had that 23.5 for Alba in their viability plan that they submitted to the Liga. Because again, as you said, a week ago, he wasn't expected to leave. 
comes out on social media said, yeah, I am kind of surprising everybody. I talked to my family. This is the best thing for me. And it is interesting because while you say that he is leaving, I think for Alba, especially in his case, there is a lot left to give in his career. I, I would expect that he's going to be around for another two, three, four seasons. The same thing with Busquets. Like both those players, as you mentioned, have a lot left to give. And for Alba to, for all that we see of him as a squirrel, and it seems like he's a hot tempered guy. You're right. His reputation is his reputation should be that he was a great teammate, beloved by everybody from Messi to Ansu Fati, who asked for his jersey in the dugout yeah. right before the game ended. So he was a beloved teammate uh, by everybody around. And I mean, even the, the little things you look at, like the rough up that him and Kunde had last year, and then you look at this year and they're just perfect teammates. And it's just all everything about him that people can say was negative seemed to always happen on the field because he never got in trouble off it as as much, again, as a McCurl character that he was. And we see that the highs for him emotionally, and some people like this on the field. I tend to be the opposite when I play sports, but he's up. And when he's up and he's down, when he's down, he's crying when he's coming off the field. While Busquets was the perfect antithesis to that, you know, smiling, applauding, <laughs> never a lick of emotion from him, but almost the exact same way both of those played on the field and the way that they represented themselves for the club for all that time is the exact same way emotionally we'd expect them to say goodbye. And, and yeah, for Alba, yeah, I mean, it's a perfect storm. It is the perfect moment for him to leave and for him to choose that. I, I think the club was also ready. Balde is a starter, undisputed. And Alba graciously was a backup for a whole season, which you could not possibly ask more from him. And I think truly, I mean, you and I and, and Kevin and everyone else on Twitter, you guys are getting on me. But I think the question I'm going to ask you, the clickbaity thing is, do you think Jordi Alba is a Barcelona legend? And do you also think that it's recency bias that the way he's leaving is going to greatly improve his legacy and greatly improve the way that we remember him? I mean, what's a legend? Kubala is a legend. Yeah, he's a statue. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's lower the bar a little bit. I mean, Laudrup is a legend. So Messi is a legend. Xavi Iniesta are legends. Is Jordi Alba a legend? I, I don't know. I don't know if he's a legend, but he's certainly one of the great left backs that uh, Barcelona and, and Spain and, and Europe have had. And I think like the only the only problem with Alba is that there have been some very specific games where he has let us down. And the hurt of, uh, of those games, uh, Anfield in particular, are not easy for some people to forgive. But at the same time, he's just such, such a good footballer, such an incredibly good left back. Uh, we talked about it the last time that I was on, when, when he came on for just 20 minutes and completely changed the game and showed us how much Balde still has to learn. And Balde might never get, get there and get those things right. Fortunately, Balde is getting other things right that uh, Alba maybe struggled with sometimes. But a legend is, is, is difficult to say. But I do think that the way that he leaves helps, helps his legacy because he leaves at a time when everybody knows the financial situation that the club is in. And everybody knows that the salaries of Alba in particular is, is a huge problem for the club. So for him to forgive more than half of that salary and leave and make space for the, for the next generation shows that he loves the club the way that people here from Barcelona love the club. And I think that that, that is something that a lot of people outside of Barcelona, outside of Catalonia, don't always understand that the, these players love the club. Busquets loves the club. Alba loves the club. Messi loves the club. Xavi Iniesta, they love the club. Sergio Roberto, they love the club. They love this club way more than you and I love the club. And I'm speaking, I'm saying this as somebody who has been in love with this club for more than 30 years now, since I was a child. But they love it even more. So they're proving this and they're showing this. Gerard Piquet also showed this. The moment that they really saw that they could be replaced, once you show these players that they can be replaced, they don't let their ego or their, their greed get in the way. They give up money so that the club can move on. So more than whether Alma is a legend or not, what this shows is how much he loves the club. And here, here I also think that as much as people criticize Alba on social media, that, that is why in the camp now, the appreciation for 
players like this is very different because when you live here you're part of the fabric of uh of barcelona of catalonia you recognize yourself and you identify with that and that is also why why it is so incredibly important to to have homegrown players in the club such as and here i'm going to build the bridge for you like you always do such as ansu fati yeah well i, I was going to go backwards in time a second to, to answer not to kind of not agree but to go on that legend not even debate but it's kind of where i ended with and i repeat it from monday's show when it comes to left backs in fc barcelona history it is jordi alba it is sergi barzuan and is eric abidal you can order them whatever way you want as far as who was better or who did what or where or how many titles they had or what they meant or to, to the teams that they meant to but in in barcelona history it's those three left backs and then pretty much anyone else that has played that position so yeah, that, that's what I would say. And when it comes to legend, it's very difficult, especially across football, to be to, to even use that word or to, to be remembered as an outside or a, bull, a fullback or whatever. I mean, who is it? It's Danny Alves and it's Roberto Carlos. Is that, I mean, and and maybe Lom from the last, literally from the twenty first century. Like like which which oh. which fullbacks would you even call legends, Marcello. right? Marcello. From the twenty first century. Marcelo. Marcelo. Well, I mean, I don't know if you call Marcelo a legend. I I argue you call Jordi Alba a legend too. They've done a lot of the same winning, and I think Real Madrid PR is just a little bit better than Barcelona did. Like, if, if Barcelona fans decided to be as apologetic for Alba as Real Madrid fans have for Marcelo, because Marcelo well, is his drop off for the last three years has been worse than Alba's. Like, let, let's not let's not forget that Alba came right after the um, moment. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said Eric right, Alba right, 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 right after Pep's team, right? Yeah, he came the season uh, that uh, Pep had uh, had left. Uh, it was Tito, Tito Villanova who, who signed him. Which Whereas was nice Marcelo... to see Alba take time also to appreciate and remember Tito Villanova. Because remember, yeah, yeah, it was Villanova who came in and gave him an immediate chance in that club and wanted him, asked for him, brought him back from Valencia for, was it, 25 million euros, which is one of those other deals, as you mentioned, where for, you know, Fabregas coming back, it could have worked and maybe it didn't all the way. But other players like PK and Alba, those players coming back, they're obviously, yes, they may have cut their teeth became professionals at other clubs, but they're going to be Barcelona players because, again, that is the club that they've always associated with. Exactly. So, I mean, Aldo was here for the years that, uh, yeah, we, we, we did get the treble and we won the league a lot, but he's almost more associated with the decline Same of the club players, yeah. than, than, than with the rise because he was not there for the rise, but he was here for the decline. Whereas... Um, PK and Busquets, they were here for for all of it. So that, that, that's why when I say Marcelo, well, you know, he was there for for all of the Champions, the Champions League, yep, Champions yep. League glory. Well, it's I, funny because I, I go back to the thing you said about Busquets too. How Busquets is and Alba choosing to walk away when they learn they got replaced. But to almost continue that conversation from Monday, if I'm Sergio Busquets and I'm watching FC Barcelona, I don't know if he got that lesson. I think Busquets is leaving arguably before he learned that he could mm-hmm. be replaced. Um, oh, absolutely. But, absolutely. But, but, but again, I, I will also agree with the sentiment that Busquets is still leaving at the right time. Like it's not, not saying it's not on the club to replace him, but he is walking away at an appropriate time where it is kind of like you whip the bandaid off and it is time to, whether the club wants to or not, it is time to replace Sergio Busquets in terms of the club's timeline and their history and all those different things. And I had said it too in the five headlines yesterday, it is going to be weird next Tuesday. Now I know that Six or I don't know what it is going to be in Catalonia. It'll be twelve thirty in the afternoon, so six thirty in the morning here in the in the, in the the east coast of the U.S. To see that missile Kobe friendly in Japan, not while well, not many may be watching, it is going to be weird to see Iniesta put on a Blagrana uniform later than in theory Alba and Busquets. Now I think they will have testimonials someday, wherever they finish their careers in four or five years. But I said it's going to no. be a weird, but they don't necessarily have to either. So, no, they're not traveling with the team. Well, that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying it's going to be weird that I'm going to see Iniesta wear a Blagrana uniform potentially, uh, okay. potentially later in time than Busquets and Alba if they never return for a testimonial match. You know what I'm saying? So obviously they will play with Barca legends someday. So that's, you know, it's all semantics at that point. But as it's just an odd thing that Busquets wouldn't even make the trip to Japan. But I also understand, too, that they immediately, a reminder, too, that they're not retiring. So they are going on the next phase of their careers, unlike PK. And their agents, and they're probably already in negotiation, the conversations with clubs about what's coming next for them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Now to talk about the game a little bit as you transition me to Ansu Fati, I actually want to, just a more broader stroke, I was happy with the game yesterday, overjoyed, especially with the first minute goal because it allowed them to, sentimental, but it did allow Busquets and Alba to leave playing a style and playing in a match. Again, the red card skewed it all, but playing in a match that was befitting of their best moments. It was all the goals were team goals. It was team football, one touch passing. The ball was moving quickly. It was doing more work than the opposition, you know, than, than, the, than the runs and all those things. And yes, it was still Xavi ball, but it was a combination of everything where Busquets was just able to kind of vibe and do his thing. And they were able to feed him, try to get him to score the goal. So it just felt like it was a celebration of their careers and all that they had done. And yeah, it was enjoyable to watch Ansu Fati, but I'll let you respond to the, the total game because I don't know if you watch the five headlines, but I've, I've got a little, uh, little thing about Ansu Fati here. Rock on, go, go ahead. Yeah, go so, for it. Well, one of my five headlines yesterday, and again, this is a little bit of a repeat, but I don't know, maybe it's because he came out with Alba at the same time when, when he exited the field. I felt like, and you can tell me if I'm overdoing some of the Gerard Romero stuff, because he said a lot and he's not always right, but he's right sometimes. And you never know those kind of things. But him and a bunch of others in Catalan media had said that a third player was saying their goodbye to the camp. No, but mm-hmm. it was never revealed in all those things, right? And I think that is just a lot of buzz or whatever. But as I've said to you many times, I, like you, would keep Ansu in a heartbeat. Like there's no reason to get rid of Ansu Fati. Even if Messi comes, Ansu will likely give up the 10. And that is the biggest ramification on Ansu Fati that we'll see next season, right? That's the only change to Ansu. And Messi also might come in and say, I don't want it. Like there's a chance that he comes in just like he did at PSG and say, no, I mean, you are the number 10. The club gave you that shirt. Keep the shirt, kid. And he might do that. But I, I don't know. There was this weird thing that said 
not onto saying goodbye in the way that Busquets and Alba did, but kind of almost saying see you later. Did you get that sense in the stadium that Ansu scored the two goals? He had his moment and it was almost like, uh, thank you for supporting me and I can score goals. I'm still a good player and maybe I'll see you later. Or do you get the sense that this game for him is a continuation or we'll say a start of what we'll see even next season? Not that it's like some leaping off point that a game at the end of the season matters, but more of a, because he just looked like himself. He looked so at ease. I mean, he looked so confident yesterday in a way that he hasn't all like for most of the season. And he just felt like there was no pressure on him as almost as if, as I'm saying that it's already decided his fate, like his future away from the camp. New has already been decided. So we almost felt like relief, like, okay, I can score goals and I'll just succeed as a player elsewhere. And then I'll be back. Don't you worry. I mean, I don't get the close-ups that you get when you watch match on TV. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the two goals that he scored, they were at, at, at my end. And I thought, like, at time he looked a bit tentative on the ball. Whereas, you know, there have been games where he's looked better on the ball, but not good in front of goal. Today was the opposite. Uh, or yesterday was the opposite. I, I really don't know how to read this, Dan, because mm-hmm. every story that comes out about Ansu, like, is that the club wants him out. Yeah. There's... There's literally nothing else. Now, the same happened with Frankie last summer. So if Anzu really wants to stay at Barcelona, he could very well look at what Frankie de Jong did last summer and say, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight for, for my dream. And, and I want to stay here. If yesterday he looked at ease when most of the season he hasn't, would that be because he knows that he's out? And yeah. Or, or not, then, or maybe it's that he knows he's safe. Not even safe, but he knows that he's, he, I mean, because again, he very much like the young, I put them, when we're talking about like the loyalty to the badge, they're in tier two to me. They're, in, and no respect to Lewandowski here, but like Lewandowski is, you know, isn't, not say living or dying for that badge, but like it wasn't his ultimate dream to play for FC Barcelona, but Frankie de Young right. and Ansu Fati are kool aids through and through. Like they love the club. They truly love the club as much as non-Catalans can love the club, right? So it's like Pique, mm-hmm. Busquets, Alba Shore, and Messi is an adopted son. He's been there since 13. But also, Ansu Fati has been there since 10 years old. It's not like yeah. he showed up. Like no, he came from at 10 years old. Like He loves that club. He's as adopted in Catalonia. He has now officially lived there for over half of his life. That's how long he's been in Catalonia, in the academy, with Barcelona. He loves that club. And when he says, I want to stay, you have to take that into account in a way that if Lewandowski said, yeah, I'd love to fulfill out the rest of my, my, I mean, also his numbers at the end of his contract would want Lewandowski to stay. But if Lewandowski says, yeah, we'll stay an extra two, three years. I'd love to do that. I mean, even like a Christensen or so another one of these players saying, yeah, or Rafinha would actually be the better example. Rafinha saying, Mm -hmm. I want to stay is different than Ansu saying, I want to stay just because the connection to the club is very different. I know. And I was really, I was really rooting for, uh, for a third goal. Because as much as Xavi says, well, you know, these last games are not a test. Even the last game in the come uh, in the come now, Ansu scores uh, three goals. You know how uh, Jean Laporte will just get emotional and say, "Hey, I'm not selling him." <laughs> well, we will, well, well, I would also say that nobody will remember too in two months how the hat trick happened, but you know a hat trick was scored by Ansu Fati. Uh, like, exactly, and that's exactly. what history does. They they remember those moments, whether or not the stakes of those games matter. Like for all time, I'm going to have to look about how Barcelona lost three one to Real Valladolid. I'm going to have to always remember. How did that? Ha- how did they lose three one to Real Valladolid? And then I remember, oh right, Barcelona didn't care; they gave up, and Real Valladolid were fighting relegation. Like that is why that happened, and we everybody had to sit through that game. More worrying is another Catalan. We'll say adopted Catalan player in 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 Balde. Who actually, no, he was born in Catalonia. He is a Catalan. Uh, in Alejandro Balde, who winds up getting whacked. And I didn't mention the five headline district because I didn't know the timetable when it was released. But seven weeks. My only concern now is it seemed like Xavi set himself up for that, where he said, you know, we're going to, the left back spot is good with Balde and Alonso. And you and I have talked about Alonso before. And I'm not concerned about the idea of Alonso in the squad. As I've said before, Alonso is fine for players 20 through 25 and for depth and fulfilling the league, sp- league spots and whatever. Like, as you have all these different competitions, Copa del Rey and Spanish Super Cup, whatever. But for him to be brought in by Xavi and playing as a left center back, now, I know the need is priority to center back, but my concern of moving him back a year later to the left back spot, if, if Balde, I mean, we saw it yesterday, the fear of Balde being carried off the field is like, oh, no, like he might even miss the next month. I mean, we didn't know. He might miss a month or two of next season. If he had ankle surgery, he's out until probably October, November. So it's, I, I, it's just a, a concern to me that 
all of a sudden here comes Alonzo. And I don't know if that's going to be something the club is going to rethink when you do see Baldy go down because next season, the jump from, I mean, you could argue if they don't bring a right back either, the jump from starter to backup is, is no greater than the fullback spots as we've known. I mean, where if you have your starter, you trust them and the backup is just somebody you don't entirely trust that position. Hey, we, we might, have, we might end up seriously missing Busquets and Jordi Alma next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all depends on, uh, on what we do this summer. I, I actually quite like Alonso at center back. You know, he's, he's not somebody that I would have signed. And I know that, you know, hey, in some specific games, especially Dortmund and Manchester United, those were not good uh, good games for him. Uh, but in pretty much every other game that he's played at centre-back, he's been decent, if not good, even defensively. And the guy passes the ball really well. Um, and, and he's a set-piece threat. So... Uh, I don't mind him at center back as much. Left back just does not seem like a very good role for him, for his specific profile and our specific needs at that position. So what I would not mind uh, is uh, if we get a full back who can play both on the left and, and the right. You know, we had uh, Adriano for for a bunch of years. I always liked Adriano. Yeah, he wasn't yeah, a starter, uh, but I like Adriano. Yeah, he could play on both sides. I, I like him too. Like score, score, scored some great goals mm-hmm. as well, uh, and and he could play on both sides. That that, that was perfect. If the talk is hey, Joao uh, Cancelo, that would be one of the biggest advantages that I can think of is that he can play both sides. I'm not saying that he's worth the money. I don't know, and and also I don't know if we're gonna have any money because yeah, Busquets and uh, Alba and uh, Piquet and Griezmann are freeing up uh, salary space. But, I mean, everything that I read is about players who do not want to leave. Anzu does not want to leave, and I hope he doesn't. But Rafinha does not want to leave either. Torres does not want to leave. Kessie doesn't want to leave. Like, if nobody wants to leave, then there's going to be no sale. I mean, it's a great Barcelona problem. I mean, it used to be even that, well, in the last few seasons, that players are just getting paid too much. I mean, it it is the the problem with big, big clubs with big pockets that players, you have no reason to get rid of those that money. But even for the FC Barcelona thing, especially when you're talking about a project, if I'm Kessie, I came in, I worked hard in my first year to get to adapt, to carve out a spot in the midfield. And now I see Busquets leaving and I should stay for myself and say, hey, next season is even more the same that we won the league of this season and we won the Spanish Super Cup and we want to do more next season. We failed in the Champions League last year and I want to be a part of the winning project. Like it's, it's hard yeah. to tell a player hey, you were part of our build, but you're not part of the final product. And, and that's, that is a tough thing to, to tell any player. No player wants to agree to that, especially in the case of Rafinha and Christensen and Lewandowski and who you, we had Kessie, who just sh- showed up. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very much a different case than, than a Pablo Torre, who, yeah. you know, if he's going to contribute, he knows that he's not a starter contributing until two or three seasons down the road, right? Until he's 21, 20, or no, 22, 23, 24, 25 that's when he knows as an attacking midfielder that he'll in theory get his real chance. But Kessie's 25, 26 years old, you know, like Christensen the same and Rafinha the same 26, 27. And Lewandowski is obviously in the, the, the peak of his, well, I say twilight, but right before the twilight of his career. So I feel like he wants to go out and speaking of Lewandowski though, by the way, he played really well yesterday. He had a really, really, really good game. I thought, and same thing with Dembele. Like they were, even though they didn't make any headlines when they play at that level up top, it gives Mallorca just, they have no options because they have to constantly keep focus on every little moment that those two are on or near the ball. And they created so much space for Ansu. They created also a lot of space for Gabi in the midfield as well. So yeah, credit to the, those two yesterday. Lewandowski and Dembele, I thought were great. Yeah, no, I thought uh, I thought we were fine yesterday. I thought Mallorca was poor, mostly. I did too. They, they're and, much better than that, yeah. And, 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 and also the, the energy was kind of, the energy was kind of that, you know, Barcelona was always going to win with a couple of goals against Mallorca because the energy was just there. It's the last day of the camp now and everything. To go, to go back real quick to to players not wanting to leave and players wanting to be a part of the winning project. The other problem here is simply the, the financial situation and the fair play stuff where we have to sell before we can sign. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's not even that you can sign Messi and then turn to Rafinha and tell Rafinha, look, do you want to stay? Stay. But you're not going to get any minutes with Messi and Dembélé on the team. No, it's the other way around. Like we we have to get rid of Rafinha first in order to make Messi happen, for example. 
but that's not really an incentive for for somebody to leave. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting uh, to see how this uh, how this will play out. Uh, I know that Matteo Alemain said that this summer is going to be uh, very intense with a lot of things happening. So yeah, I mean, as I also said on Monday show too, uh, the likes of Langley, Dest, and Titi. I mean, those are even more imperative that those moves are done first. I mean, almost first and foremost. Yes, yes, but they like uh, Umtiti, Langley, then they don't have like they're not going to come back. No, they're so, not. But but you still have to make those phone calls and make those deals, and you have to fly to to London to talk to Tottenham, and you have to fly to wherever to to because they're still on a contract. Yeah, um, but I think that will get done. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not worried. That it's not going to get done. But I'm saying add that to the list. Like it's a long list yeah. of things to do, and it's going to be one thing at a time. So it's like as much as you say in a, you see in a day that oh Lang Lei was moved today. Oh, where's Messi? Well, it's like well Lang. What do you th- who do you <laughs> you're there's only one phone. I mean, maybe these guys have multiple phones, but you know what I mean? Like you're you're on the phone and Lingley had to get done. So Lingley got done and then tomorrow it'll be something else. And and that's the I, way it is. Hey, I'm I'm just happy that Matteo Lamagna is not gonna do it while also working on the Aston Villa project. For sure. For sure. I mean thank, you, thank because, God the guy came back. Yeah, because or, I mean it's gonna be really interesting too, because it is I saw Boyan Kirkett sitting right next to him, so the rumors are true that it seems like Boyan is coming back into some kind of role, and then Deco was on the other side of him, and we know that that's going to be, if I mean it's basically been announced, but it you know that he's he's taking the place of Jordi Cruyff, and you have mm-hmm. then Alamani staying in the same in the same role. So we'll see what that yeah. new team, if you will, can do. Isn't Boyan supposed to be like uh, more of a liaison between between the technical directors and and the and the squad? Yeah, or some, something like that. Yep, which is why he's again. I say he's part of that team, like I, with, yeah. regardless of what his role is. But as he, again, he is still rather. I mean, he's he's around my age, so it's like he's still rather like figuring it out what it's like to hang up your boots and and uh, and and be on that side of the game where you're going to games and suits and things like that. Yeah, you know what I was really surprised by Dan in in I think the press conference leading up to the game they they asked Xavi like, hey, you know. Um, in all these years, Barca never produced like uh, a replacement for Busquets from the academy. And then Xavi said, "No, no, we did. Pivotes did come out of the academy. We had uh, Sampe and Rio Remel. Where, where's Nico Gonzalez in all of this? How come? How come he's not on on the club's radar?" I think that they. Well, I mean, having watched him since he was like 15, 14, 15 years old, he was not ever groomed in the same way that like Semper from the age of. 14, 15 on. He always played from what basically when they went to from the U7s to the to the full 11s. He was always groomed as at that position. But Nico right. was an attacking midfielder on literally until, well, I guess the year when he was transitioning between the U19s and Barca B. When for Barca B, he began under Pimienta, started playing mm-hmm. as, as a pivot. And then the idea of him being a pivot with the first team as he also bulked up, like physically from 17 to 18, he just bulked up in a way that a lot of those kind of players don't. And he, he looks right. more comfortable playing at that in the third division. But I, 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 yeah, I just think they do not view him in the long run. And I, I, if you would say that for the preseason games at least, so you don't want to overdo those. But every time I've seen him as a pivot for Barcelona, he looks comfortable. And it's not, with the exception of like one time under Kuman, it didn't look entirely great when it was like a double pivot thing. But in the preseason game that I watched him for this season, I really thought that Pianic was out if they could get him out. And Nico was going to stay and basically be the back of the Busquets. Like, that's how good it looked. And that made sense to me. But I, yeah, I just feel like Xavi does not see him in the same way that Kuman didn't as a pivot in the long term. Like, he's not spoken about in that, in that way. Such and, a shame. Yeah. But to the point of Oro Romeo, by the way, I, we, uh, Emil and I did talk about him and the obviously of that. I actually think Oro Romeo, having watched him at Southampton and this year with Girona, while he does not, obviously, he's not Busquets, he doesn't do that to the level. If Busquets in this magical world had never existed, Oro, I could have certainly seen Oro Romeu being a bridge between Yagatori and then taking over for a few seasons and just being fine where you're not, you don't have an all-time legend at that position, but I could see Yagatori having stayed in that. I'm, we're saying again, if this is a, uh, it's a wonderful life situation without, without Busquets. Busquets was like, you know, the, he was never born. It's a world without Busquets. And so I could, again, see Yagatori have done that for a while. And then Oro Romeu comes in and then the club potentially bringing in Sas Fabregas and then saying, okay, well, what are we going to do here about all this? And of course, yeah, it's a different alternate world where you do all those things. But I think Oro Romeu could have had seven, eight years in the first team, maybe if not even as a starter. 
but as just a player at that position. Because again, I think the club does produce guys who do that at that position at a high level. But Busquets, it's again, one of those arguments, like why can you not replace somebody who's going to start and play 90 minutes every game? It's, it's hard to replace anybody when that guy is automatically on the team sheet every single time because you got to get minutes from him. And to get minutes from him, you have to be better than him. And nobody's been better than him for 12 years. So it's like, you, you can't expect that you... I mean, they, they, they could argue that they produce Nico as a pivot this season. If they bring him back and he plays at that position, then you can immediately add his name to that. Because right now, the only names they're saying are guys that have gone and continued at that position. And again, the reason Sam Payer was brought up is because, as I said, from the U15s all the way up until that last ACL injury when he was 19 or 20 years old at Barca B, because that was the moment. The last, I think it was the ACL, or the last knee injury, whatever it was, that was the one that, I mean, it's not that he wasn't good enough. Is that he had injuries that completely sidelined him. So whatever the reasons were, like the club really did trust in him as a 16, 17-year-old. And then the injury mm-hmm. just blew it all up. And that is, I mean, you look at him in Japan. Like he only plays like 35% of the time for Vissel Kobe because he just, oh, I mean, he'll be, I mean, he'll be out by 28, 29 as a, as a no, professional. But. No, it was not injuries, man. It, the guy can't defend. I mean, he was nine, but he was like 18, 19 years old. Like, of course, no 18, 19 year old midfielder can defend. Like, with, I mean, if you can, then you're the likes of Busquets when he came up at 19. Like, then you're, then you're an all time great. That's what you're going to be. But the thing with Busquets is if, if it weren't for Pep, he might not have even made it in first division football. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's literally Pep, the only, the only coach who, who liked him when he was younger. And, and and the same with Nico. I think that if uh, if Pep or Kaif would be in charge, they'd be like, "Hey, give give me that guy," and they would not be afraid. They would not be afraid of not winning immediately, but they they would want that kid as part of his project. Now I don't know what's going to happen to him. It's possible that he's never going to develop the way that he uh, uh, would develop if uh, if he stayed at Barcelona. And it's also possible that I'm completely wrong, and it is simply not good enough. But uh, I, th- I think it's yeah. a shame. I mean, watching, you watch him with Valencia this year. I would give that loan like a B because he got hurt for like three or four months, which is not great. But I mm-hmm. thought he coming back from the injury looked just fine. Like he's ended the year in a better way than I think he started it. Like it even took yeah. a few games for him to get up to speed. So I think from like November through February when the injury happened, he looked okay. It looked like he was putting something together. And I think he start, continued to build on that when he came back from injury. But he missed all those months in between, which was pretty rough but yeah and i would judge him even more of uh, of his his season at barcelona i mean he played quite well for us in a lot of matches i don't understand why xavi doesn't like how much he presses i think he returns like him and him and gabi and pedri i mean they are three of the top six pressing players on the team like i mean yes of course you need your midfielders to press but he fits right in i mean he is that is i think his best skill not even like when Barcelona have the ball, but when they immediately lose the ball, he can get mm-hmm. it back to you in a hurry. And I'm not even talking about his physical build. I just mean he positionally puts him in the, himself in the right spots. And I think there was a few games under Kuman that no, those are the notes I kept taking where it's like, I know it feels like he's not doing anything with the ball. And that is frustrating because that's what you expect the Barcelona midfielder to do. But when Barcelona don't have the ball, his ability to get it back and know where to be is what I really do think is going to be his calling card. I, he had a stretch under Kuman where he was basically our best midfielder. De Jong mm-hmm. was not playing well on the Koeman the last season. Pedri was injured. Gavi gave us flashes. That was his one-month stretch where Nico was our best midfielder. It was crazy. Anyway. And he had that game winner, too. He had like that 3-2 game winner. That, that big one. I remember that. Yeah, he, he, he had a winner and he had uh, an opener at Celta de Vigo, if mm-hmm. I don't. So he, yep. he scored two goals um, You know, for for somebody on on the fringes of the first team. Yeah, anyway. Crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think we have one more topic to talk about, so let's jump into that. If people were talking about the end of an era, and I think it was from a PR perspective, really smart for Barcelona, especially to go and dive into and, and delve into the nostalgia of the day. Of course, when you're saying goodbye to the to, to important players, stalwarts of your club, you want to say goodbye with nostalgia, and it's like get everybody happy and excited, and just gets everyone in a good mood. Now, the weird part of it, and you can spell this out for me too. I understand that the Camp Nou is getting renovated of course mm-hmm. like i understand i'll read you all i understand like the, the the deal we've been through it we can go through it but i did find it almost a bit extra saying goodbye to the camp no as if it opened in because i kept seeing people say it's opened in 1957 which it did i can go through the history of it it opened in 1957 but it didn't close in 2023 it's being renovated from 2023 now until 
December of, or hopefully December of 2024, as, as that's what Laporta said. So I'll go through Laporta's comments later too. But it seems like, right, that's going to be when it's going to be renovated. And while it's going to look different, it's going to be completely updated, it's still on the same site. There will be new bricks laid. They laid the new brick today with Busquets and Laporta and everyone in tow. And while the seats are going to be taken out and sold and, you know, the, it's going to be a new Camp No. But again, to me, it's not a new stadium. The club has moved three times in their history from the Camp de la Industria in, in theory, and then to Le Court in 1923, and now to the Camp, and Camp No in 1957. Those are the three moves. And to me, like, it's not even going to have a, name, a new name. It's like the same stadium. So I just, I don't know. I, I think as much as you know, I love history. I love nostalgia. I love getting lost in all of it. But I felt like <laughs> yesterday, we weren't saying goodbye to the Camp No. We were saying goodbye to Busquets and Alba. You were saying hasta luego f- to the Camp No, because it's going to be now a year and a half before you're back. Yeah, but it's going to be the now Camp now. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. But at the same time, it does feel like the end of an era. And it does feel like, uh, you know, our, our stadium is going to get such such an incredible st- facelift mm-hmm. that the, the new camp now is not going to be the old camp now. You wouldn't be able to recognize it if you were outside of the stadium and you saw the new version. Yeah. No, it's basically um, as if Exhibit is pimping your ride. No. Okay. You know, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to put a pin on that because I watched that show all the time back in the day. <laughs> and I will tell you that A, those aren't the same, like the owners of those cars don't do that. And B, with the number of TVs and hot tubs and whatever they used to put in those cars, those cars were undrivable, unusable, and the insurance was way, way too much. So the lesson from that show is not about upgrading anything. <laughs> the lesson from that show is that insurance fraud can be hidden in a, in a, in a beloved MTV show. That, that is all I learned from that show as an adult. Yeah. But anyway. Well, that, that, that might be a pretty apt uh, analogy, I'm afraid. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, but I mean, uh, the stadium is basically going to be unrecognizable, especially from the outside, you know. So, again, here, that that that, that is part of the feeling. Like, it's not going to be the old stadium anymore. Yeah. They're not just renewing it as in, you know, it's not, they're not painting it. They're going to structurally change a large part of the stadium. Yeah. In, 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 this, in this sense. I mean, in, in, imagine that, you know, imagine Notre Dame. You know, if if they're going to build it back exactly the way it was, then it's still going to be the Notre Dame. But if they build it and put like, a, t- t- turn the main tower into like a glass monstrosity, would it still be the Notre Dame? Right. Yes, because the foundations still are still the same, but at the same time, the building is going to be different, right? Yeah, and I think I can definitely agree with the idea that, as I mentioned, every time Barcelona has, we'll say, moved stadiums, it's because the demand of the club was too large to fit that stadium. I mean, that's been historical times when the club has moved. And again, 1957 is when it opened. Huge move that Barcelona made despite the current state of Catalonia at the time, how Franco felt about it, and then the success of Alfredo de Stefano going on at Real Madrid at the same time. So Madrid had built the Santiago Bernabeu in 1947. And I think while people would connect it, everything I've always learned and read about the reasons why the Camp Nou was built is because 1951, Kubala showed up and it was as simple as by 1954, they were like, oh, this guy is filling the stadium beyond, like we can make a lot more money here by exp- not even expanding, but by building a new stadium from the mm-hmm. court and, and, and putting it up. Like that was, it was talked about in the forties, but the club never could afford it, obviously with the, the, the economy in Spain at the moment. But by that time in the mid fifties, they had enough money coupled together and they said, okay, financially, this is going to help us out a lot. So work began on the Camp Nou in 1955, again, midway through when Kubala was there. It was put down with concrete, iron, and it also put the club in a huge amount of debt. The price tag at the time was 288 million pesetas, which would be awesome if that was the current price now, but um, things have changed since then. But yeah, the stadium was opened in 1957, 93,053 spectators. And I think the big story here, of course, why this is all being done, to, to give you a little headline to it, is that at the time when it was opened in the 57, 93,000, it, it was expanded in 82 for the FIFA World Cup, 120,000 at the time. It currently sits 99,000 plus, and it was, for decades, a mecca football. It was the largest, it is the largest in, in Europe. It's seen with this great reverence, and it was used a lot. 
but the last few seasons, it has. It has fallen behind with all of these new major club, I mean, major stadiums that have been renovated around Europe that it, in all, in all purposes, you and I, and as many listeners as we know, have been to the bathrooms. We waited in line waiting for food. Like we've been around. We know that it was time. It was time to renovate everything. I've tried to work up there in the, you know, not without a press credential, but I've, I've been up there trying to get some video and do things up there with, with media, with the club and the internet, the Wi-Fi. It's, it's problematic when you're trying to do anything beyond maybe check your phone, maybe check a score and things like that. So yeah, I, I totally understand that it is time for the club's history to kind of be renovated as well, where it's time for Barcelona's new stadium to once again become a leader in Europe. So it was nice to see little stuff that for me matters. Like if people saw personally, I did PA, that's public announcing for uh, an event at halftime at uh, MetLife Stadium there, the the old giant stadium or whatever. And so little things like that were cool when I saw uh, Menel Vich, a name that I didn't really know, but he was the club's announcer from 1956 all the way to 2016. And just hearing that name, learning about him was really cool. He was there the first game of the stadium in 1956, a 6-1 league win over a team, Real Jean, which I can't imagine most of us have ever heard of because <laughs> they're in the fifth tier now and they haven't been anywhere in the second tier since like the 70s. So the big question, though, coming up for you and Laporta kind of answered some of it for us. He said the landmark date, November 29th, but more likely that they will return in December of 2024 without any hiccups or anything like that. But it is construction. Uh, that's construction that's very optimistic. It is optimistic, and that's why he said that. So the club, it's an interim, will be playing at Montjuic, well, in Montjuic, and it will cost, in terms of revenue, $90 million a year, including lost revenues. That is the projections for all of those things. It is a 55,000 capacity athletic stadium, which, again, while it was 1992 Olympic Games and all those things, that's where you may know it. The season ticket prices have gone way up, and this is kind of where you enter back to the picture here, because while the club is trying to sell sections of the turf, other memorabilia around the stadium, old stadium seats, and all those different things. Ticket prices, they tried to boost them up. People weren't buying them because of all the difficulty it is even getting there. And so they had to lower those prices by 50% of the initial cost that they had them on Thursday just to make sure people are filling in at 55000 which again, is going to be a lot of revenue lost. So, I mean, as much as I'm worried about all those things, those are things that are also in the viability plan. Those are things that are in the financial plan. Like you can read the financial reports. Like this is all... In this is all t- being taken into account in the bigger picture of things. Yeah, so I, I wasn't gonna go to the go to Montjuic in part because uh, it is a pain to get there. Like uh, I live right next to to the camp now, so it's particularly easy. But I've always lived yeah. like within twenty twenty five minutes walking of the camp now. But Montjuic, that there's there's no there's no good way of getting there, uh, and then. Uh, leaving the stadium also takes forever. The stadiums need uh, the the players need to go by by coach by charter bus to get up to the stadium because traffic is so bad to to get up there that you know they can't guarantee that the players will get there on time if mm-hmm. if they would drive their cars there. So so that's just an example. But um, there was that. There's the fact that I am traveling until mid November, so I would miss the first two and a half months. Of the season, not sure when the season is going to start. If it starts end of August, then yeah, almost three months. And the prices were quite high, right? So I was like, well, you know, oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I can't afford to pay even more than I'm paying right now, and missing and and miss like three months of the season. Like that's just not. Uh, I cannot justify that to to my wife and my daughter. Like, hey, you know, why am I going to spend all of that money to go lose even more time? Going to matches, which is mm-hmm. time that I spend less with my family, and it not even being worth it for the first three months. But now that they've lowered the prices by fifty percent, and I've heard that the first half of the season they will uh, uh, play a lot of games at the opponent stadium because the music won't be ready. Won't be ready. Mm-hmm. So now I'm already kind of like thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe I can go. Well, um, I mean, I would also argue that if Messi does resign, if they, they do sell Rafinha, we'll just say Rafinha, and Messi does arrive, while it's, yeah, it's going to be wild to be like, okay, well, because we wanted Messi to say goodbye the right way, he's going to have to play at the Estadi Olympic Luis Campanias. But in the same way, the second he signs on, people are going to buy those tickets. Like, it's, it's, I think it's a wrap. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I wasn't even mad when, the tickets were so expensive because uh, the club is in need of money 
uh, I just think they didn't expect so many people to say like, hey, I'm not going to pay for it. Right. But then that's that's the way the socios are. Here in Catalonia, they were saying la pela is la pela. So which basically means that, you know, you don't spend money very easily. So, yeah, it is what it is. We'll see how it goes. Even if I don't get a season ticket, I'll probably go for a couple of matches here and there. And hopefully we'll be back in the camp now soon enough. Uh, I will try to buy a seat from the camp now, if possible. My seat, the one that I've been sitting in for the last six years. And then I'll take it to uh, to a carpenter or a furniture maker and ask him to turn it into something that my wife will tolerate somewhere in our home. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are looking forward to seeing a picture of that. I hope. I hope. Yeah, I hope you can have your seat, but or any seat. I mean, there's there is. I mean, I'm hoping that there there's enough, and those are reasonable price. But we'll have to see about all those things. But anyway, yeah, the next part of our conversation would have to do with global inflation and things like that. So I don't want to bore everybody to death. I think that kind of wraps it up for this one. Barcelona do play one more time, Celta de Vigo next week or the end of this weekend on Sunday. But before that, so we're going to shift our focus because I planned for Friday, a preview of the women's champions league, which will be against Wolfsburg. And then of course, I'm going to be reviewing that match as well. So there's two games taking place this weekend. Again, very little stakes for the Barcelona Celta de Vigo one, other than Celta de Vigo. If they really mess it up, they can go down <laughs> if, if they lose by Barcelona by too much. So Celta, it could be a problem for Celta at home, but that's, again, not really related to Kool-Aid's. But again, more importantly, the big match is on Saturday, Champions League, Women's Champions League final against Wolfsburg for the Barca Femini. So again, that is the content that's going to be taking place throughout this week. But again, Sunday also have the five headlines and match review. So you can anticipate that and look forward to that as well. So that'll wrap it up. Follow him on Twitter and or down in the show notes below, of course, Barcelona. And then we are on Twitter, Instagram, different things, the Barcelona podcast, Patreon, YouTube, all that stuff. So thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon for Smart Stuff. Peace, Barca. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.